0: This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. And what a great day to come together in the house of the Lord, worship Him, and enter into His presence today. Take your Bibles out. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. How many came hungry for the word of God today, ready to receive what God has for us this morning? Second Timothy chapter 2. We want to welcome all those who are watching in the video venue. Welcome this morning. Good to have you with us as well. Also those who are watching in the television audience, we welcome you as well to this morning's service. And good to have you guys here. Glad you came today. I always like preaching to people. It helps me a whole lot. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Now, Paul, let me give you a little background. We are in a series on equipping and training believers to do the work of the ministry. This is what God has called our church to do. It's one of the purposes of faith assembly of God to equip you for ministry. That took us to the book of second, First, and Second Timothy. There's probably no better place. Paul is encouraging his beloved son in the faith, Timothy, to pastor the church at Ephesus. He's encouraging him in the face of opposition and trials that are coming his way. And in this writing this letter, he is in many ways equipping Timothy to be a more effective minister of the gospel of Christ. Now, I want to tell you, if it's good for Timothy, it's good for us. We learned a couple of weeks, there's no distinction between clergy and laity. All of us are involved in ministry, amen? All of us are priests before the Lord. So I believe these words have great impact on our lives. What are they? Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. Second Timothy chapter two and verse number fourteen. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase the more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer of Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Lay also youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of God must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Father, today as we look at your word, I pray that you will open up our hearts this morning. I pray, God, that we will be vessels that will suit it for the master's use. I pray for vessels here today that need to be cleansed. I pray your cleansing blood will have its effective work this morning. I pray if there are those here today who are ensnared by the devil, they'll be set free today. I pray that all of us will have a reexamination of our hearts and lives today. that We may know how to please you. We ask all this in your mighty, mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. People all around are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many know our world's in a mess? And lives are messed up like never before. And they are searching for answers. They are looking for answers. uh, And we've got the answer, and it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ teaches us. In John chapter 4, that the the fields are white already under harvest. And I believe the fields have never been whiter than are right now. We've got some white fields all around us. People are desperate to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And he said, the harvest fields are white, the fields are plentiful, but the laborers are few. God is looking for laborers, looking for workers. Looking for those who will get involved in the harvest of the Lord. Not just those who will come to church week after week. But God has an assignment. He has called us to get into the harvest fields. And help to bring that harvest in. But the question for us today is. Are we a kind of vessel that God can use? Is our vessel cleansed? Are we a vessel of honor? And This is what. Paul writes Timothy in this second chapter and he teaches us how we can be useful for the master's purpose and prepared for every good work. How can we become vessels that God can use? I want to give you four things this morning. If you've got your outlines in the back of your bulletins, you can jot these down together. How do we become a vessel that God can use? Number one, we've got to be a student of the word. Say that with me, a student of the word. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word rightly divide carries the idea of of to cut a straight line or to cut a straight Furrow or to make a straight path. It's the same kind of thought when John the Baptist said, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so it has that idea of, of marking a straight path. Now he says, study the word of God, study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing, let the word of God cut a straight path in your life. What does that mean? It means we don't take this book and try to make it fit our agenda. We don't make this book fit our preconceived ideas, uh, but rather we study the word of God so that it will cut a straight path in our lives uh, for us to follow. Rightly dividing the word of truth. uh, Make it straight. Let it be the pattern of your life. And I want to tell you, it's more than just having this book intellectually up here in your brain, uh, but we've got to take the word of God and apply it to our lives. Rightly dividing that word of truth. Now, this command is not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries, but it's for every single child of God. How many group leaders do we have here this morning? You lead a life group or a Bible study or a small group at the church. Listen, you have got to study to show yourself approved, uh, a worker that need not be ashamed because you are in the the ministry of reaching out and touching the other members of this body of Christ. Uh, How many are involved in discipling somebody else? Remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about that discipleship process, how that every one of us need to take someone under our wings and disciple them. We can't disciple anybody unless we rightly divide the word of truth. How many are in here are parents of children? Listen, you are in the business of training and developing your children and so you need to be equipped uh, and study to show yourself approved, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth so you can pass that truth on to the next generation. It applies to all those who want to lead their friends to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to become a more effective witness of the gospel, study to show yourself approved, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study, study, study. The Apostle Paul says in this text that if you are grounded in the word of God, if you've studied the word of God, in verse 14, it will avoid quarrels that bring about ruin and destroy relationships and bring spiritual confusion. In verse 16, he says it will help you to avoid godless chatter. And that leads to ungodly behavior. Uh, And so we rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, In verse 17, he says, rightly divide the word of truth uh, because it will keep you from false doctrine. Uh, And he said that false doctrine can get into the body of Christ. It can be like a cancer that spreads throughout the body. And yet he says, if you know the word of truth, it will protect you from that false doctrine and false teachers that come along. Now, I want to ask you a question today. What kind of student are you? How are you doing when it comes to rightly dividing the word of truth? In verse 15, he says that you might be a worker who is approved. Approved. Are you an approved worker? It carries the idea of one that is tested and found acceptable. The word approved is, is a word for testing or approving metals. Now, how do you test and see if a metal is good? You turn up the heat. And you turn up the heat and the the impurities all rise to the surface. Uh, They are skimmed off uh, until that metal becomes pure. And so he says, rightly divide the word of truth that you might be a worker that is approved. uh, One who is tested. Uh, I will tell you, every trial that comes your way, when God begins to turn up the heat, it ought to drive you to the word of God to say, God, what do you have to say about this situation? Uh, What comfort can you bring to my life? Uh, What answers do you have for my dilemma? And you will be that worker that's been approved or, or tested and tried. Uh, build your life on the word of God. And when you do that, it will help you to overcome the trials and tests that come your way. Or, he uses the word ashamed. One that needeth not to be ashamed. Are you approved? Or you are ashamed when it comes to your knowledge of the word of God? Paul wrote the Ephesians and said if you're ashamed you'll be like somebody who's tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine that comes along. Uh, I want to tell you Christians are some of the most gullible people on the face of the earth. And they grab onto the latest fad or the latest teaching uh, and they're they're easily deceived. Uh, they become very They become prey for false teachers and false doctrines uh, and they are unstable. They are like that reed that is blown about by every wind and wave of doctrine. And so Paul says, Timothy, study, study, get into the book. So you'll be approved and not ashamed. How do you become an approved worker? He says, study. Now that. Word study carries the idea of be diligent, make every effort, do your very best. Uh, In other words, that kind of approved worker doesn't come by accident. It doesn't just automatically happen. Uh, It doesn't happen when you say, well, it's Sunday morning, let's get our Bibles, let's go to church. And you take it out and you dust it off and you get ready and you carry your Bible under the arm and you come walking on in. Don't shout me down, church. You're making me nervous up here. Doesn't happen by accident. It's faithful day by day studying the word of God. Every one of you ought to have a one-year Bible reading plan of some sort. Because you're getting through the Bible year after year. One year I just felt the Lord say, just stay in the New Testament. So I did that for a year and I spent more time instead of... Going through the entire Bible, but whatever God leads you to do, there ought to be a daily time of reading and studying the word of God. Study, study to show yourself. A... This That's the reason when you come to church here. Every sermon is going to be based on the word of God. You can't find the chapter and verse. If you can't find it, you just spit it out. There's no reason for bringing that nonsense up. It's got to be based on the Word of God. Every program, every class that is taught on Sunday night, every Bible study on Wednesday night, everything we do has got to be based on the Word of God. It has got to be Bible-based and Bible-saturated. So I ask you again, how are you doing in your study of the Word? Where are you at? Are you reading your Bible daily? Daily? What steps are you taking to go deeper in the word of God? Do you have your concordance and your study helps along with you? Bottom line is, Paul says, being a worker that can be approved by God. And when you do that, then you become a vessel that God can use. Number two, how do we become a vessel God can use? Stand on the solid foundation. Jump down to verse number 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, Paul is living in a time of moral regression, moral wickedness, paganness all around. Uh, There is spiritual confusion. Uh, uh, There are false teachers that are there at the church of Ephesus uh, as Paul writes this letter to his beloved son, Timothy. Uh, And yet he says, look at verse number 19. Nevertheless... In spite of all the chaos and the false teachers that may be around you, the solid foundation of God stands. It cannot be shaken. If you will build your life and your teaching and your doctrine on the foundation of Christ, it will stand the test of time. Jesus Christ is the foundation that we can build our lives upon. Now, the good news for us today is, is the church does not belong to us. This is not your church. It's God's church. It doesn't belong to us. It's on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now look at the, the verse there. When they would lay a foundation or they would lay the cornerstone in that foundation, and Jesus Christ himself is that chief cornerstone, they would often write an inscription upon that cornerstone before it was laid into the foundation. That became that seal of ownership. It became the seal that said whose building it was, whose house it was, whatever the case may be. That was the seal or mark of ownership and security. Now he says there are two things on the seal, on the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The first is the Lord knows those who are his. That's good news. God knows who is a part of this church. God knows who are a part of his church. He knows those who are his. I want you to turn to Numbers 16. This quotation is taken from an incident that happened in the book of Numbers. Children of Israel have come out of the land of bondage in the land of Egypt. They are on their way to the promised land. And there is a rebellion that takes place along the way. Let me give you the backdrop very quickly. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram lead a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. They gather around them 250 other leaders who are going to follow these three stooges. And these guys said to Moses basically, and I'm summing it up here, who made you boss Moses? Who put you in charge of us? Who made you the pastor of this congregation of some 2 million people out here in the middle of the wilderness? And when Moses and Abiram and and Korah say that, or excuse me, Dathan and Abiram and Korah say that, Moses immediately falls to his face. He lays prostrate on the ground because he knows, "Uh uh-oh, trouble's coming. Look out. You don't speak against God's anointed. You don't speak against God's ordained leadership for the body because to do so is to speak against God and you better look out. Now jump down to verse number five. And this is where the quotation is taken from the cornerstone of the church. And he spoke to Korah and his company saying, tomorrow morning, the Lord will show you who is him, his, and who is holy. and will cause him to come near. And that one he chooses will cause to come near to him now i want to tell you that's great god knows who are his and he says he will cause those who are his to come near to him Isn't that good news If you are called and chosen by God, He will cause you to come near and draw close to Him. Uh, That is the inscription on the foundation. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, That is the inscription on His church. Uh, He knows who are His. And if today... You have been saved. You have been a partaker of divine regeneration. Uh, The Bible says we partake in his divine, holy nature. And as a result, we will bear that family uh, resemblance of God. We'll begin to look and act and sound like the Lord Jesus Christ because we are his and he knows who are his uh, and we are partakers, the Bible says, of his divine nature. That's on the inscription. There was a second writing on the inscription and it goes on. It says, and they will depart from iniquity. Now, if we name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we know who are his, then something also begins to happen in our life. We will depart or flee or run from iniquity. Children of God are never comfortable living in sin. If you are a true child of God this morning, you're not comfortable around sin and living in sin, and being a partaker of sin. Uh, We are called to something that is higher and better in our lives. Uh, And deep inside, we always want to do that which pleases our heavenly Father, and that is to depart from wickedness. Now, this second inscription is also taken from Numbers chapter 16. Jump down, if you would, to verse number 21. Let me finish this little story for you. Separate yourselves from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation. Now, God is so angry, he's about to wipe them all out. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the congregation saying, Get away, get away, say that, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. And Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sin. Now on the very inscription of his church, he writes these two things. God knows who are his. And the second thing he writes is they will depart from iniquity. Both of these inscriptions are taken from Numbers chapter 16. uh, And he says, get away from their tents. Stay away from that lifestyle. Don't go back there anymore. Listen, if you are a child of God, there is that departing from iniquity that must take place in our lives. And you know what? When he says, depart from iniquity, he didn't say that to the children of Israel to knock, to rob them of their fun and life or their joy or whatever else you may think of. He was trying to save their lives because the ground would open up and those three dudes, along with 250 other followers, were swallowed up into the ground alive. And so for our own sake for our own benefit so we don't get swallowed up in this world. He says, run church. Get out of there. Depart from iniquity. It's part of our foundation stone as a church. The church carries the idea of the called out ones. If we are the bride of Christ, we are called out from the wickedness of this world. Church, listen to me. Don't be messing around in the bars and the alcohol and the party life and the immorality and the lying and the stealing and everything else that goes on in this world. We are not of this world. It's on the inscription stone. It's a part of that strong foundation of God. Get out of there. Look at verse 19 again. Go back to our text. Uh, he describes the the. False prophets and the false teachers and all the immorality and what Hymenaeus and and Philetus had done in departing from the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he starts out in verse 19, nevertheless, everybody say that with me, nevertheless, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands. Nevertheless, the false teachers abound, yes, but nevertheless. The foundation stands. Do perilous times exist? Yes. But nevertheless, the foundation stands firm. Uh, Do you fear the future for you or your family? Uh, Nevertheless, uh, there's a good foundation. Uh, Are you worried about your children? Uh, Nevertheless, uh, are you under the... Wonder if the church is going to survive in this evil age in which we live? Uh, Nevertheless, uh, the foundation stands strong. Uh, The church is not going anywhere. Could persecution and trials and tests come into your life? Uh, Yes, but nevertheless, we got a good foundation. Uh, Do evildoers rise to power? Uh, Yes, uh, but nevertheless, uh, the foundation stands strong. God is still in control because the foundation is there. It's strong and it's got that inscription written down in it. The church will not fail. The church will not fail because it rests on the solid foundation of God who cannot lie or be defeated. Uh, fear not, my friends. Uh, don't give in to despair. God is still on His throne. Uh, he knows who are His uh, and we're safe in His hands. Uh, we put our trust in Him and on that sure foundation. Nevertheless, 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 Third thing, that if we're going to be a vessel that God can use, not only do we got to study the word and stand on that solid foundation, but number three, we need to be sanctified for the master's use. Look at verse number 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Faith assembly is kind of a large house. It's exciting to come to faith assembly. But within this house are two different kinds of vessels. Now don't look around and try to figure out who's who. There are those vessels that are met meet for honor. There are vessels that are used for dishonor. have got a couple of vessels here for you that I want to show you. Okay, got a vessel right here. This is used for dishonor. You throw your trash in there. Throw your garbage in there. You throw your refuse in there. It's lined with a little baggie right now, but just because it came out of my office. You got a vessel of gold. You could serve people out of this. In fact, we do when we take communion. Pass the trays, down the aisle, and out of this they'll take a wafer, symbolizing the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's another vessel that follows that, and they'll take a little cup out. And that symbolizes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if I had guests over to my house, and I wanted to invite them over for dinner, I wouldn't take the food in a trash can and start dumping it on the table for them to eat. Or say, guys, just close your eyes and reach in and see what surprise you come out with. And eat that. No, but if I want to treat my guests with honor, I'll take a nice vessel, nice silverware out, nice china, and I will serve them out of that. Gold and silver Christians, the Bible says, are honorable vessels, useful for the Lord. Now... What makes that vessel, what makes that vessel gold and silver? How do we know we're gold and silver or wooden clay, as he uses this analogy here? I believe it speaks to your character. Are you a man or woman of integrity? Are you the same person we see on Sunday morning that we'll see on Wednesday afternoon or Thursday or Friday night? Is the integrity the same Is it consistent from one environment to another environment? I think that is what sets vessels of honor apart. Uh, The Bible calls it walking in the spirit. uh, Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, those are the vessels of honor. Those are the vessels that demonstrate the character of God. On the other hand, uh, the vessels of dishonor, and he calls it in the word wood and clay, lack character. They're easily broken. They crumble easily. And when the fire of trial comes, listen to me. When the fires come of trial and testing, what is going to happen to that vessel? It is going to be burned up. The same kind of thing he spoke about in Corinthians, about what we're building our life upon. Same analogy, wood, hay and stubble or gold, silver and precious stones. What are you going to be a vessel of honor, gold and silver? or Are you going to be that of wood and clay? They fall apart. Garbage can Christians are filled with all kinds of smelly stuff. And maybe on the outside you can polish up that garbage can all you want. But on the inside there's garbage and trash. And you are a vessel of dishonor because there are those secret hidden sins in your life Uh, no one else may see your thought life Uh, they may not see you on your computer late at night Uh, they may not see what you're watching on television Uh, they may not see what you're reading by yourself Uh, they may not notice those kind of things Uh, they're all on the inside Uh, but I will tell you it will make your vessel a vessel of clay and wood Uh, and when the trials come uh, and the tests come it will all be burned up and destroyed Therefore, he says that kind of vessel is not fit for the master's use. God can't use you if your life is filled with junk. Trying to help you guys this morning. Now, here's the good news you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to remain that way. Look at verse 21. Therefore, here's the good news. If anyone cleanses himself from the ladder, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You don't have to stay that way. If anyone cleanses himself, if you've been living a garbage can life, you don't have to remain that way. Isn't that good news? You may be angry. You don't have to stay that way. You may be bitter. Don't have to stay that way. You may be filled with lust. Don't have to stay that way. You may have a critical spirit. You don't have to stay that way. You may have a foul temper. You don't have to stay that way. You can change, uh, but you'll never change until you want to. You'll never change until you really want to. There's an interesting story. Jesus Christ goes by a pool. There's been a lame guy that's been laying there, I think, for 38 years, if I remember correctly, laying by that pool. And Jesus says something to him that just kind of blows our imagination. But when you think about human nature, you understand why he said it. He says, do you want to be healed? I'd be saying, yeah, look at me. I want to be healed. I've been here for 38 years. But you know what? Some people become so used to their weakness and their failings, and they blamed everybody else all their life. And he says, you know, I've had nobody to throw me into the pool. It's everybody else's fault I'm like I am. It's my mom and dad's fault I'm like I am. And on and on it goes. And we blame everybody else around us. You see, it's a great question because not everybody wants to be well. Some people like their sin. Some people like their weakness. Uh, and they coddle that. And that becomes their excuse. Uh, and they hang on to it. Uh, some people get so used to their temper. It's a part of who they are. And they really like getting mad and telling people off. Some people get comfortable with their sarcasm and accustomed to their compromise. Uh, they can't imagine anything different out of their life. It's been such a part of them for so long. And so God would say to us this morning Do we want to get well? church do we want to be vessels that god can use sanctified meat for the master's use now how do you get there how do you get from the garbage can christianity to the gold and silver christianity three things jot these down real quick number one you got to be saved can't do it unless you know jesus you've got to be saved you got to say god save me i can't save myself Forgive me, cleanse me, help me. I I can't do it. Uh, The Bible says for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And when we come to that realization, then I can cry out and say, God, I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need your salvation. And through the cross and resurrection, it can all be done. Got to be saved. You don't know Christ today. After this service is over. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can Be saved today. Second, you've got to be sanctified. Says that word in verse 21, sanctified and useful for the master. How many times do we try to change and we fail again and we fail again and we do the same stuff over and over again? We've got to cry out for help and say, God, I can't do it. You've got to change me. There's a verse in Psalm 34 and 6. The poor man called out, and the Lord heard him He saved him out of all his troubles. Cry out to the Lord and say, God, I cannot change myself. Only he can sanctify you. Now, let me give you just a quick synopsis of what that word sanctify is all about. Maybe it's not one you use in your daily vocabulary. What does it mean to be sanctified? It literally means to be set apart for God. To be set apart for God. How are we sanctified? The Bible gives you two ways you are sanctified. Get this, this is good. Number one, you are sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. So the moment you say, Jesus, I need you, come into my heart and life I've got great news, his blood cleanses you from every sin and he can write unto you as unto a saint, one who is sanctified because you've been covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot sanctify ourselves. We've got to have his blood applied to our life. And so that when God sees me, he sees me through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a second way and you've got to get this. John 17 says, I am sanctified by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word of God. So what happens is in Christ Jesus, I am sanctified in him because I'm covered in his blood. But every day I get into the word, the Holy Spirit renews my mind so that I am being changed from grace to grace, from glory to glory. I am being transformed into his image. The more time I spend in him in prayer, the more I gaze into his face, the more I become like him. I become that reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I grow in him and so sanctification is that ongoing process and then it says in 1 John and when he returns uh, we shall see him as he is and then we shall be like him but until that time comes I am always a work in progress sanctification through the blood and through the word sanctified sanctified you gotta be sanctified. Number three, you're gonna be a vessel, a vessel like this, not like the trash can Christian. You gotta run, baby, run. Look at verse 22. Flee also youthful us. Get out of there. Get out of dodge. Run. Don't hang around sin and pursue righteousness faith love peace with those who call on the lord out of a pure heart Uh, you've got to flee now you you, there's two kinds of there's one running that takes place but it's directional you are fleeing or running away from something you are fleeing or running away from evil desires or youthful lust now Let me just throw this in here. He's not only talking about sexual temptation. Sometimes we think in terms of teenagers uh, and their hormones are racing and so we think it refers to sexuality and that can be very powerful lust of the flesh, uh, but it can also refer to youthful anger, youthful arrogance, youthful pride, youthful envy, and on and on it goes. You talk about lust, it covers a myriad of sins. Those are those desires that make us want to be in control of our life. Believe those desires that we have in the natural to be in control, to be in charge. Uh, and so, in other words, he says, Timothy, grow up. Mature. You shouldn't be the same way now that you were the day you were saved. Grow up. Flee, run, Get out of Dodge. Turn to Genesis 39. Great story. That's 39 verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that the master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me he refused and said to his master's wife look my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all things here into my hands Uh, there is no one greater in this house than i nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god listen when you are involved in immorality it's not only a sin against your mate it's not only a sin against the partner you are with uh, but God nails it, and he says it's a sin against God himself. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. This is not a one-time occurrence. She's coming on to him. And he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside uh, that she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran. Everybody say that together. Ran. Outside. Remember when uh, I'm kind of dating myself here, but a lot of you look like you're in the same category as I am. Remember in the early 70s, I think it was in college, so it would have been 72 to 76, somewhere along that. Remember the streakers? <laughs> I don't know I don't know what got into them. It was nuts. Guys would just get out there, take their clothes off, run down the street, run across a football field. It was just kind of a weird uh, time to be alive back then. We talk about sin today. It was nutty back then, too. But the very first streaker was Joseph. I don't know if you realize that or not. It was not a new thing. There is nothing new under the sun. And Joseph is running, garment left in the hand, but the lesson is obvious. Run, 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 get out of there. Don't hang around. Run. Not only do we run away from youthful lust, but we are running towards righteousness. Goes on to say in our text, flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. You see, you can't pursue good and evil at the same time. I get this, get this, guys. You can't pursue good and evil at the same time. When you set your direction, you will be leaving one and running towards the other. To pursue righteousness means I abandon living by my own rules. To pursue faith means I abandon my own self-sufficiency, that I can do it by myself. To pursue love means I abandon my selfishness. To pursue peace means I abandon my anger and my bitterness and my rage. Uh, You see, I leave that stuff behind and I pursue righteousness faith, love, and peace. And when you make a commitment to pursue righteousness, listen to me, you can't go back to the darkness. You don't say, you know what? I'm following you, God, but I want to go back for one final visit. I want to have one last party, one last hurrah. Let me go back just one more time. You can't go back, flee, run. You can't compromise just a little bit. It is the snare of Satan that has brought many, many down. It's that compromise just a little bit. Alcoholics Anonymous, they have this to say. If you don't want to slip, don't go where it's slippery. Not bad advice. It's interesting. The name Timothy literally means God, God honoring. And what Paul is doing here is he's saying, Timothy, live up to your name. Be a vessel that God can use. And if we're going to be a vessel God can use, we must be empty and clean and available. And then God takes our vessel and he fills us with his glory. Be sanctified. The fourth thing and last thing to be a vessel that God can use is we've got to serve in humility. We must serve others. In humility, look at verse 24, but a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all able to teach patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now the the, the idea of servant is probably a stronger word here for slave. And it literally meant a slave had no will of his own. Now, when you give your life to Christ, you abandon your will. The rest of your life is not my will, but thy will be done, O Lord, because that's what's involved in servanthood or slavery. It is coming under the total command and leadership of the master. Once we were slaves of sin, now the Bible says we are slaves or servants of righteousness and God. Now, Paul says in verse 23, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Knowing they generate strife. Uh, In other words, don't get involved in arguing or fighting or debating your point. Uh, It does no good. In fact, I will tell you, some people will know how to push your buttons. How many know what I'm talking about? They know how to get us riled up. And Paul says, don't lose your cool. Don't fight back. Don't say things that you will later regret because your spouse or your friend or your co-worker has pushed certain buttons. Uh, You see, we are not permitted to yell back to those who yell at us. What he says there, avoid foolish arguments, ignorant disputes, but be gentle. Don't quarrel. Be patient. Be humble. They may curse at you, Guys, you can't curse back. Sorry about that. They may cut you off. Can't cut them off back. They may intimidate you. You're not to intimidate in return. Be gentle to all. You see the bottom line, and Paul goes on, look at verse 26. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having taken them captive. The bottom line is this, you can't intimidate anybody into accepting Christ. You won't win somebody by winning the argument. You may win the argument, but lose their soul in the end. Only the Holy Spirit can reach the lost and work on their heart. Uh, He says, if God, verse 25, if God perhaps will grant them repentance. God's the one who saves, not us. Now that's good news because that takes the pressure off me. Our part's to share the good news. Our part's to sow the seed in love. Only God can change the heart. You see, our problem is we get upset when lost people act lost. And we want to get even with them. And so we get down in the same mud pit they're in and we fight back. Because it becomes about winning. And Paul says, hey, they're lost. They're enslaved by the devil. What do you expect? Be gentle, be kind, be patient, be loving. Our part's clear. Be kind to everyone. Avoid arguments, he says. Always be kind. Be ready to speak to anyone who listens to us. uh, know what we're talking about. Study to show yourself approved. Do a little homework ahead of time. Be patient when attacked. Uh, teach the truth with a smile, and then trust God for the results. For only God can bring repentance. Great advice. It's all about how God can use us. Gentle servants are desperately needed in this harsh world in which we live. In people are angry. They're harsh. They are bitter they're always one upping and it goes on and on gentle servants are what God is looking for when we're a gentle servant then God can use us our service to the Lord our becoming a vessel that God can use is the highest calling for any one of our lives to be somebody to be a vessel vessel of gold or a vessel of silver don't be discouraged about the moral darkness all around you, these are great days to serve people. These are great days to serve the Lord. There are opportunities all around us. Even though there is wickedness abounds, that means there are more opportunities for us to share and show the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, May God make us useful vessels, vessels of glory and honor. And how to do that? Be a student of the word. Stand on the solid foundation. Be sanctified for use by the master and serve in humility. Now, this morning, listen to me. If you have allowed sin to come in and pollute your vessel, if you're not a vessel that God can use today, i have got good news. He's able to cleanse you. He's able to forgive you. He's able to bring you back to himself. He's able to give you everlasting life. He says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Good news. Good news. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to be a vessel God can use. I want to see. 1,200 pitchers that God can use and pour out his grace, pour out his love, pour out his mercy. But listen, if you're filled with garbage, if you're filled with trash, if you're filled with junk in your life, this morning's the morning to get it out and be cleansed by God so God can use you for his service. There may be some here you need to be want to be a vessel God can use but you haven't ever taken that first step. You haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life. You haven't been saved yet. You can be saved this morning from your sins, from yourself, from the devil, and brought into everlasting life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it starts by saying, "God, I need you. I know I'm lost." I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. I need you to come in to my life today. If you're here today and acknowledge your need of the Lord Jesus Christ and just say, I just need to be saved today. I'm ready to follow him. This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.